Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, what is going on, people? You know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band means yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way. Right here, right now, this officially go down as episode number 224. Can you believe it? You can get on board the Unfiltered Revolution 24-7, 365. It is easy. Just get over to the artist formerly known as Twitter, X if you will. Get at Casey Stern. Jump up into the bio and out onto the YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, watch all the videos, all that good stuff. And of course, where most of you are, equal opportunists are we, through the podcast variety of things, that nature, if you will, Apple, Spotify, everywhere else you get them. And thank you. We're happy to get the unfiltered band. Always a pleasure. Pleasure to have you. Lots to get to straight away from baseball. Get back into a little combat sports here today as we preview UFC 295 coming up this weekend in the Big Apple, my hometown, uh, which I miss desperately on a daily basis and wish I could be there if uh, not for let's prioritize uh, family reasons and uh, friends and pizza and bagels and all those things. But the UFC and being there for this card would be sick as well. We're going to delve into and get deep into UFC 295. Get into that. I also want to uh, preview a little bit of the three title matches, uh, the main events that were announced for 96, 97, and 98 by Dana White here in the past few days. We'll do some predictions for this card this weekend. If you want, as always, no matter what we're talking about here, whether it's baseball, combat sports, uh, hockey, basketball, boxing, uh, football, life, doesn't matter. Get in in the comments. You can get me again on X. Uh, hit me directly. Send me direct message. Reply to tweets, posts. Uh, you can get in on the YouTube comments as well. Uh, unfortunately, uh, no, not on TikTok uh, or Facebook or Instagram. So be it. Uh, these are your two avenues. Uh, we got a lot of avenues to discuss. Mm-hmm. But as always, uh, we are in this lane here on Unfiltered. And thankful for that because we're presented by our good friends at Bet Online, who are still your number one source for your sports betting needs. This season, any season, latest odds, lines, matchup reports, baseball, basketball, boxing, golf, UFC, much, much more. Ben Online continues to be the fastest and the easiest way to get all of your wagers, including live betting, favorite casino and card games. They're all available to play right from your phone. Head over to the website. Use your mobile device to sign up today. Get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE. It's B-L-E-A-V. 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, it is Bet Online, where the game starts as we get started here. And here we go indeed. 295, not the same card that we thought we were going to have. Not getting John Jones, who is out for who knows, could be a year. Not getting Steve Miocic, who afterwards said, hey, why didn't you invite me onto this card? I would have done the interim thing. And clearly we understand that a large part of that is the UFC and Dana White specifically. They want that Miocic-Jones fight. It could be John Jones' last fight, especially after all this rehab he'll do to get back here off this injury uh, with the pec, and he's going to want to have that matchup with the greatest heavyweight of all time. They're going to want to resell that. Maybe, let's say, an international fight week. Let's see if they can uh, turn that thing around by then, or who knows. Could be, uh, you know, hopefully it's before that. God willing, but could be at the, the end of 2024 when we circle back around here in New York yet again. But regardless, they'd like to keep that fight in tow. So we get the toe-to-toe and mano a mano, if you will, between Sergey Pavlovich, as hard a hitter as there is in the heavyweight division, and that's saying something, and Tom Aspinall, who is more of a 
uh, mixed martial artist, if you will, and certainly a guy with a, a ground game, uh, great movement, a lot faster than Pavlovich is, going to bring a lot of things to the table that Sergey does not. This is going to be a very interesting fight. And then, of course, you get the headliner, which was supposed to be the co-main event, and that is the return of the samurai, Yuri Prohaska, as he takes on <clears throat> Alex Pereira for what will then be officially the vacant title. Jamal Hill himself out with an injury, that light heavyweight division. Since John Jones left, it has been kind of a mess. We'll see whether that gets stabilized. Let me start with the co-main. This is a really interesting fight. One of the big questions you have to have here about this matchup is what kind of effect is it going to be that you had one guy in Pavlovich who was training to be the backup for this fight, and albeit as small of a chance as that may be, maybe not as small when you look at the ages of John Jones and Stipe Miocic, but a guy who was training and preparing to have to make weight, training and preparing for those two fighters in some way and for his chance and an opportunity to get into what would have been the main event at 295 at MSG. On the other hand, you got Tommy Aspinall, who, even though he <coughs> had a fight recently, just going back now, what, eight weeks ago, here is a guy who was not sure when his next fight would be, was not preparing for Sergei Pavlovich, even though that fight has been booked, I don't even know, two, three times in the past at this point. So he's certainly well knowledgeable of Pavlovich and what he brings to the table, who isn't, but who's not preparing for a fight. He gets, I think it was 12 days officially noticed and then hops in here to this card into an opportunity for an interim title shot. How much of a difference is that going to make? I'm going to tell you that for me, I don't think it's going to make as much of a difference as some people think it will. And I don't think it's a comp to what Volkanovsky just dealt with in you know him getting 11 days notice to go face Islam Makachev and go all the way out to Abu Dhabi and to have not prepared for Islam for that second time, at least in that sense, not have a full camp. I think it's a totally different scenario. Islam, a totally different beast. And I don't think it's necessarily comparable because here in that case, you know, Volk was, we were all surprised how quickly that thing went down. He's preparing for a five round fight. He's preparing to go 25 minutes. He's, you know, thinking about, okay, how is the cardio that is never an issue clearly for Volkanovsky go look at round five in the first fight that they had. How's that going to be an impact for him with 11 days notice? This is a different scenario because I don't think anybody thinks this fight is going five rounds. And, you know, Sergey Pavlovich is going to be a guy who is either going to knock you out or likely going to be a guy who's going to be exposed at some point for not having a ground game that can match up with the likes of a town Aspinall. To me, if you're Aspinall in this fight, and I'm sure that this is going to be clearly how he's going to attack it, he is going to fight smart and fight to win this title. He didn't get this opportunity to then go do what Curtis Blades did and said, hey, even though I'm a wrestler and should be here taking you down, let me try and throw hands with you and stay in the pocket with Palovich and get his, his clock cleaned. That is not going to be what Aspinall is going to do. I expect him to come in. I expect him to strike just to shoot. I expect him to shoot early within the first minute. I expect him to shoot again if he's unsuccessful. And even if Pavlovich can thwart, you know, you know, let's say the first time that he goes after him, I don't think he'll be able to continuously do it. I think Aspinall will get him down. And I think Tom Aspinall is going to be the interim world heavyweight champion of the UFC. Pavlovich is an unbelievable fighter to watch because when you go back to, and, and you know, clearly they're not built the same, you think about, you know, for me, when I was a kid growing up and watching Mike Tyson and that ability like 57 seconds into every fight, it wouldn't matter who it was. 
right? It could be a big name all the way down to, you know, McNeely and some of the, you know, the, the bums that he beat up. But you're talking about a guy who would just charge out to the center of the ring, you know, obviously not an octagon in that case, and it just go wipe other dudes out. There was no way they can handle his speed and his power. And, you know, you, you're, you're paying for these pay-per-views and the excitement, and you're not getting necessarily money's worth in terms of a long fight, but that's what you came to see. Came to see Mike Tyson just knock some other dude out. And Pavlovich is kind of, I mean, Pavlovich is like a Von Drago. I mean, this guy's no joke. But this is not a boxing fight. But Tom Aspinall is not going to be stupid. They're not to get on Curtis Blades, but that was stupid. He's not going to be stupid. Now, can Aspinall fight with a, you know, more dexterity and a quicker pace? And certainly he's, you know, got a lot more movement than Pavlovich does in terms of we're sitting there in just a striking battle. Yes. But does Aspinall understand that regardless of how good his chin may be, and by the way, Pavlovich's chin pretty darn good too. We've seen that. But regardless of how good the chin is, Aspinall not stupid. He understands that Pavlovich got the chance to knock him out and to flatline him. He's not going to let that happen. Aspinall going to go after this title. Aspinall wants the fight with John Jones. He's going to try and spend all that time getting Jones to forget about Stipe Miocic, who at that point will be so old that it won't matter. And I love Stipe, God bless. But to me, that's where Aspinall's going. Let's get this belt and let's spend a year luring John Jones in to unify it, to get that giant payday and get that money Go beat John Jones and cement the legacy of a story of Aspinall. Been doing BGJ since he's very little. It well coached all the training, all the work that he put in for all those years to then have the injury, to fight and battle all the way back from that injury and to get now to this point all over again at a point where he has admitted when he was down and out during rehab, he even thought about quitting the sport entirely. He's not going to play around with this opportunity. I think because of that, I think you're going to see him win this fight. I think it'll be in the first round. I think it'll be probably from ground strikes, and I think that that's what you're probably looking at here. Get get Pavlovich down, advance, you know, find your way into a mount, expose his ground game. Now, look, we all could be wrong. Maybe Sergey Pavlovich is great on the ground. I have no idea. Unlike Sean Strickland, who doesn't use his ground game a lot, but you hear a lot about how good his ground game is. Good to great. People talk about how, you know, in the gym, you know, he's showing off skills, and he's going to need those. We'll get to that in a second against Drikas as we look ahead to that fight at 296 in Toronto. But I think for sure... You know, unlike that, we we have not nobody coming out talking about Pavlovich being some kind of you know he you know, he dirty on the ground. You don't want to go there with him. I think that's where you got to go. And Aspinall will go there, and I think he'll go there and get the win. Main event is going to be super interesting on so many levels. How did this injury and this layoff affect Prohaska? How slow is he out of the gates? What kind of a chin does he have? At, at when you look at the power that Pereira is bringing at 205 pounds, what did Pereira learn? From the battle against Jan Blahovic, where, look, I thought Pereira won the fight. I did, because I don't think Blahovic did nearly enough, even though it was there for the taking for him in that third round. But at the same time, Pereira didn't look that, you know, people don't talk about that. He didn't really look that great. First opportunity in that weight class. Clearly, he was, you know, very hesitant because he knew about Jan, who, you know, obviously a beast on the ground. And he knew he was going to have to deal with that. And he did have to deal with that. And then it probably sucked some of the energy out of him at the beginning. And all of that, I get it, after round one. But at the same time, Pereira didn't really look that great in that fight. Nobody talking about that at all. 
Very curious to see in this case, unlike Aspinall, and I'm not going to call it stupid because look, Yuri Brahaska is a striker. Yuri Brahaska was, I mean, look, we've seen, we saw the fight with Glover Teixeira. I'd love to see someday him and Jamal Hill go at it. And I think that'll eventually happen, especially if he wins this fight. But I think that, you know, we've seen Brahaska is a guy who's got a chin. He can get into a firefight. He can go back and forth. He can look like he's on the verge of getting knocked out and, and you know, pure destruction against him and then turn back the tide and go from nail to hammer real quick. But in this case, and we've seen him on the ground, we saw him with Pereira's coach, right? And, you know, in a submission, we, we, we know that he's capable. I think he needs to go to the ground or probably will need to go to the ground to win this fight. I don't think you can get into just a pure striking kickboxing scenario at 205 pounds with the kind of power, the lack of cutting weight and the, and the saturation and all of that and the sapping energy that Pereira was dealing with, I'm sure, at 185, that he doesn't have to deal with here at 205. I don't think you could do that with him and be successful. I don't. But the question in this case is, is Yuri going to go there and how soon? Because I think Yuri has a better chance to sit there and to strike and go back and forth with Pereira, even with the strength of Pereira, then you're going to see in that other fight where I think, look, and I love Tom Aspinall, and he's very good on his feet, and he's a really good striker, and all of that. I don't think you mess with Pavlovich I, at the heavyweight level. I just don't think you could do that. You shouldn't probably do it with, <clears throat> excuse me, with Alex Pereira, but I think you may see Yuri go tit for tat and go on the feet with him for a while. It's a fascinating fight. How do kicks play in and, you know, each guy trying to kind of take each other's legs out of the equation to kind of make them more stationary so that they're able to be there to be hit. But Yuri is there to be hit. And one of the reasons why I'm picking and maybe the biggest reason why I am picking Pereira to win this fight. And I think he's going to sit there and now win. And what an unbelievable run. His second championship and what 11 fights. I'm picking that because Yuri is is so hittable. This is not Glover Teixeira on the feet. Glover Teixeira has power. Glover Teixeira can get in firefights. Glover Teixeira has had knocked out, knockouts and all of that. But he's a beast on the ground, and that is where his bread and butter is. That is not the situation for Pereira. And if you are that easily hit by Glover Teixeira as a striker, how many damn times you getting hit by Alex Pereira and you can't play with that kind of fire if you're Yuri or you're anybody in this division at 205? To me, the, the the hittable nature of Yuri Prohaska and how much he is sitting there to be hit and available to be hit is a big problem in this kind of matchup. It's why I think if Yuri is going to win, he's got to go to the ground. I think he could strike a little bit more than I would necessarily want Aspinall to do if I was his coach and in his corner. But I think you got to be careful with it because to me, Prohaska is too hittable. He's too much in the chaos and when you live in that chaos with a guy like Pereira, you're going to be living in the spot where you're waking up from dreams and trying to figure out where the hell you just were while you're looking up at the ceiling at Madison Square Garden at the, at the Walt Clyde Frazier banner. That, that's the, the spot you're about to be in with a dude with, with not only the power, but with the precision of Pereira as well. I'm taking Pereira. I think Yuri's just too hittable. But we'll see. Going to be an interesting fight, and I think it'll go a bit longer than the other one, but I don't think either of these are going five rounds. I think better chance probably in the Yuri Pereira matchup that it happens, almost no chance in the other fight. 
Because either Pavlich going to knock out Aspinall cold or he going to get beat because he gets exposed on the ground. You're not taking Pavlovich's punches for five rounds. You're just not. And if you're ground and pounding him, you're not going to get in the Almeida Derek Lewis situation. Aspinall will put him away either by submission or by TKO. Pereira by knockout and Aspinall by ground strikes is where I'm going with both of those. Could be a submission, but I think probably ground strikes. I want to look ahead to the three uh, title uh, main events that were announced for 296, 97, 298. Just kind of real quickly give you my thoughts. And I've got you know, varying excitement about all three of these and some questions. And we'll delve deeper into this as we go on. I'm curious your comments and your thoughts. Who you got in the Pereira Prohaska fight? Who you got in the uh, co main event, Aspinall and Pavlovich? Let me know in the comments. But I think for 296, 297, 298, first of all, it is probably only because of the injury to Hamzat in the hand that Drikas Duplessis is getting this shot, but it is a shot he deserves. You know, should he have been ready to fight Izzy, even though it only would have been on two months' notice, you know, two months of a camp, even though it would have been a shorter camp, even though it wouldn't have been necessarily at his optimal time? That, that honestly is, you could take both sides of that. The answer is, you, you could look at it and say yes, because when you go from where Drikas was to sitting there in a spot where you can make that kind of money and you got that chance against Adesanya and you believe that you're so confident you could beat him, then what the hell does it matter? It's not like you hadn't been preparing for him. Everyone in the middleweight division had prepared for Izzy forever because you know that's the guy, the gold standard you got to beat. It's not like you haven't watched video. It's not like you don't understand what you got to do to attack that dude, right? And how you're going to try and win that fight. But the other side of it is, if you only get one chance, not to go to the Eminem song, you only get that one shot, right? If you only sit there with that one opportunity, don't take your chance to blow it, so to speak, right? Well, you want to make sure you're at your best and at your most prepared. It's why Volk, in hindsight, in rear view, was saying in that presser after he lost to Islam that, hey, look, you know, uh, this is probably not something I would have done. This isn't the guy to step in at 11 days notice, go play hero. Although I'm sure he doesn't regret the money he made and all that other kind of stuff, right? And he's a competitor. But that's why he was being honest about it. He's just not the kind of dude you do that for. Well, neither is Israel Adesanya. So I think it was unfair for the UFC to kind of put baby in a corner, if you will, and to say, well, then you're screwed. But if Hamzat does not hurt his hand in the Camaro fight and was not out for a while, he would have stepped right in and been the dude. Regardless of what you thought of rounds two and three, and I thought you could have scored that a draw, to be quite fair. 10-8 in the first round over Kamaro, and then even <coughs> because of giving, excuse me, uh, rounds two and three to Usman. But I think if you're looking at it and being fair, this was Hamzat's fight. Because of the hand, now it's going to go the way it should. Because I'm sorry, maybe it's just me, but I got like oodles of respect for Bobby Knuckles, for Robert Whitaker. And if you don't, you're not paying attention over the last few years. And nobody doing to that dude what Drikas Duplessis did to that dude in, in that fight. And when you do that to that guy, Robert Whitaker, who may, by the way, ironically, fight Usman next, when you do that, you deserve a title shot, and he deserved this opportunity, and it's going to be an interesting fight. The early returns for me about kind of where this fight goes is I am really excited to see just how good Strickland is on the ground. We hear about it all the time. He never seems to have to go there. We know what his, you know, his his modus operandi is, is that, you know, working with that one-two and being in your face and keeping you on the back foot and making it difficult for you to execute your game plan. And he did that to a T to Israel Adesanya. He's got the coach of the year and as good a coach in the game and Eric Nixick. 
at Extreme Couture. And he's going to be ready, but he's going to have to show off the ground game this time. Drikas is going to go there. He's going to go there. So that's number one. The second thing is, for all the talk about the deviated septum and, you know, the surgery that Duplessis had and that he hadn't gassed out in the other fights and it was all because he couldn't breathe and all those sorts of things. And then, you know, basically saying after the Whitaker fight, see, I told you the difference it makes. That fight didn't go long enough to see the difference, but Strickland will take you long enough to see the difference because the cardio is Strickland. They're nobody right now. Look, him and Marab are the two guys to me in all the UFC that are at the top of that list in terms of, you know, to, to beat you or kill you with their cardio, not their, with their kindness, right? Well, how is that going to work? And how is all that going to pan out in a fight if Drikas is, even if he takes Strickland down, Strickland not easy to take out. And then it gets in around three, four, and five. We just talked about Hamzat, round one, Kamara, round two, and three. I'm not saying you could do that to Strickland, but you got to give advantage to Strickland and if that goes three, four, and five into the championship rounds. And that, to me, is on the other side, really the, the second part that is so interesting as we look ahead to that fight. Seeing Strickland on the ground, excited about that and, and what it looks like. And then the second thing is to see whether or not this all hubbub about the surgery Drikas had was really why we saw him gassing out because Strickland will make him gas out. And to me, if that fight goes five rounds and you ask me or probably anybody who follows or covers this sport, uh, you got to absolutely pick Strickland to win that fight based on what we've seen. So, and almost feel that way about anybody because Strickland going to, on that incline, get better and better as we go. But we'll see. That's 296. 297. Look, I think Ilya Tapuria is a hell of a fighter. I love watching him. He got killer instinct. I mean, he's a bad dude on the feet. If you would have asked me before the Islam fight, was there any chance that he would beat Volkanovsky? I would have said slim to none. It would have been very similar to the Yair Rodriguez situation, and maybe those two fight each other someday, and that could be an interesting fight. But where you looked at Yair and you said, oh, my God, look what he's been doing. Look what he did to Josh Emmett, et cetera, on down the line. And then Volk made him look like 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 his, like, I mean, I don't even know, made him his bitch. I, I don't know a better way to say it, right? So I thought that's where we were headed here. But now the psyche play, Volkanovsky and what he admitted in that presser, in terms of the, the troubles that he was having because of some of the layoffs and the fights, then throw in getting knocked out in that fashion and what that does to your psyche, then throw in, I know he wants to fight so badly, so he probably wasn't even happy they're backing him from January to February now for this card at 297 instead of 296, but how that plays in, and I got to be fair, I would have waited longer. He should have waited to UFC 300 for this fight, because when you get knocked out in that fashion, and I'm not a fighter, but you listen to them talk, and clearly across the board, they all say you need extra time. And even tomorrow, you go back to like with the head kick, headshot bang with Leon Edwards and go ask him now in retrospect of whether or not even he came back too soon and it wasn't as soon as this. That is something to me that you absolutely have to take into account. Curious about that with this fight. Would have picked Volk easily, honestly. I would have picked him easily before the Islam situation, what he said in the presser, and this short time period. Now I almost think it's a pick em fight. I think because there's a chance Volkanovsky will come back and he'll just wax Teporia. He'll put in such a camp. He'll be so dedicated because of the way he just lost and he's never experienced that. And he'll put all of that into his training and into this fight and into that, that anger and that dog he bringing in him, if you will, 
and all that's going to be even worse for Deporia. But there's a chance he's going to go to ring that bell, and it's not going to be there to be rung, and he's going to be in trouble and get knocked out again. Pick him fight for me. The third one is really, really super interesting at 298 between O'Malley and Cheeto Vera. Uh, these are, are two, to me, they're both extremely likable, even though they don't like each other. I love Cheeto. How can you not? His story is fantastic. Love O'Malley, too. The way that he is who he is and genuine article and authentic and all that stuff. It's not shtick. It's not a Colby Covington thing. He's not just sitting there for, I mean, this is a guy who is as real as it gets. And I love that in both of these dudes. This is going to be an interesting fight. The first fight, I think O'Malley is kind of delusional where he talks about the fact that he's never lost. We all know he's lost. Where he talks about the fact that it was some kind of fluke. I don't think it was a fluke. And I think the one thing about Cheeto, which is different than most people against O'Malley, is that Cheeto Vera is really, really durable, and he's just going to keep coming forward. And he's not going to be afraid of O'Malley. He's not going to be afraid of O'Malley's counterpunching either. A couple of questions here. One. Does Cheeto play too much into this? It's a five-round fight, so I'm going to start out slow because if he does, he's going to lose rounds, and this one could go the distance, and he'll be in trouble. I think it's going to be it's going to be difficult for O'Malley to knock him out, and I don't think Cheeto, outside of some head kick or some scenario flying knee that, that O'Malley is shocked by, I don't. I, this one could go the distance and be one that goes for the cards, and Cheeto could really be you know, doing a disservice to himself. He does his normal thing where he starts out slow. So that's going to be something to watch. That's key. The second thing is going to be that the head games and the mind games leading up of what happened in the first fight. And regardless of the confidence that O'Malley has and the unbelievably uber confidence he has, if he in the first round of this fight has some trouble with Cheeto, gets looks he's not used to, Cheeto has some sex, success, has some success, excuse me, that he is uh, not prepared for on the feet, right? Because, you know, he thought it would be easier than it was. Like, the Aljo thing played out exactly into the hands of the way O'Malley thought it would. You go back to hearing him before the fight, it was exactly as he thought it would be. But you get, come off a loss, regardless of what you're saying publicly, you know that that confidence level not the same. I don't care what it is, right? And then you're going into that second scenario, and all of a sudden you get lack of success early. Be really interesting to see O'Malley playing without that confidence, which is such a weapon for him, as the cardio is, for example, going back to Strickland. I think confidence is such a weapon for O'Malley. But I'm confident these are going to be great fights. Can't wait for 295. Can't wait to see it play out at MSG. Wish I could be there. Hope you're going to enjoy it. Want to hear your picks, your comments, and much, much more on this, this pod, all the different episodes. Hit it up. Get to me. Again, uh, artist formerly known as Twitter, X, if you will. Get up into the bio at Casey Stern. Hop over to the YouTube channel. Watch all the videos. Appreciate the support. So supportive of the love and the comments. And and not so much even for the people who do it uh, publicly, but for the people who have reached out privately to do so. As we continue to push this train rolling and rock with Unfiltered, as always, we here are presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.